0: chapter 4 of the phantom of the opera by gaston leroux this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org chapter 4 box 5 armand moncharmain wrote such voluminous memoirs during the fairly long period of his co-management that we may well ask if he ever found time to attend to the affairs of the opera otherwise than by telling what went on there. M. Monchamin did not know a note of music, but he called the Minister of Education and Fine Arts by his Christian name, had dabbled a little in society journalism, and enjoyed a considerable private income. Lastly, he was a charming fellow, and showed that he was not lacking in intelligence— for as soon as he made up his mind to be a sleeping partner in the opera he selected the best possible active manager and went straight to firmin richard firmin richard was a very distinguished composer who had published a number of successful pieces of all kinds and who liked nearly every form of music and every sort of musician clearly therefore it was the duty of every sort of musician to like monsieur firmin richard the only things to be said against him were that he was rather masterful in his ways and endowed with a very hasty temper the first few days which the partners spent at the opera were given over to the delight of finding themselves the head of so magnificent an enterprise and they had forgotten all about that curious fantastic story of the ghost when an incident occurred that proved to them that the joke if joke it were was not over Monsieur Firmin Richard reached his office that morning at eleven o'clock. His secretary, Monsieur Remy, showed him half a dozen letters which he had not opened because they were marked private. One of the letters had at once attracted Richard's attention, not only because the envelope was addressed in red ink, but because he seemed to have seen the writing before. He soon remembered it was the red handwriting in which the memorandum-book had been so curiously completed. He recognized the clumsy, childish hand. He opened the letter and read.
1: Dear Monsieur Manager, I am sorry to have to trouble you at a time when you must be so very busy, renewing important engagements, signing fresh ones, and generally displaying your excellent taste. I know what you have done for Carlotta, Sorelli, and little James and for a few others whose admirable qualities of talent or genius you have suspected. Of course, when I use these words, I do not mean to apply them to La Calotta, who sings like a squirt, and who ought never to have been allowed to leave the ambassadeurs and the Café Joquin, nor to La Sorelli, who owes her success mainly to the coachbuilders nor to little James, who dances like a calf in a field. And I am not speaking of Christine Daillet, either, though her genius is certain, whereas your jealousy prevents her from creating any important part. When all is said, you are free to conduct your little business as you think best, are you not? All the same, I should like to take advantage of the fact that you have not yet turned Christine Daillet out of doors by hearing her this evening in the part of Zibel, as that of Margarita has been forbidden her since her triumph of the other evening. And I will ask you not to dispose of my box to-day, nor on the following days, for I cannot end this letter without telling you how disagreeably surprised i have been once or twice to hear on arriving at the opera that my box has been sold at the box office by your orders i did not protest first because i dislike scandal and second because i thought that your predecessors de Benay and polonais who were always charming to me, had neglected, before leaving, to mention my little fads to you. I have now received a reply from those gentlemen to my letter asking for an explanation, and this reply proves that you know all about my memorandum-book, and consequently that you are treating me with outrageous contempt. If you wish to live in peace, you must not begin by taking away my private box. Believe me to be, dit Monsieur Manager, without prejudice to these little observations, your most humble and obedient servant, Opera Ghost.
0: The letter was accompanied by a cutting from the agony column of the Revue théatrale which ran...
1: O. G. There is no excuse for R. and M. We told them and left your memorandum book in their hand. Kind regards.
2: They are keeping up the joke. Ha!
0: <laughs> Said Monsieur Richard.
2: But I don't call it funny.
3: What does it all mean?
0: Asked Monsieur Moncharmin.
3: Do they imagine that because they have been managers of the opera we are going to let them have a box for an indefinite period i am
2: not in the mood to let myself be laughed at long
0: said firmin richard
2: it's harmless enough
0: observed armand moncharmin
2: what is it they really want a box
3: for tonight
0: Monsieur firmin richard told his secretary to send box five on the grand tier to Monsieur de bienne and poligny if it was not sold it was not it was sent off to them De Bienne lived at the corner of the Rue Scribe and the Boulevard de Capucines, Poligny in the Rue Aubert. Oh, ghosts! Two letters had been posted at the Boulevard de Capucines post-office, as Montcharmin remarked after examining the envelopes. You see! said Richard. They shrugged their shoulders and regretted that two men of that age should amuse themselves with such childish tricks.
3: They might have been civil for all that,
0: said Montcharmin
3: did you notice how they treat us with regard to
2: carlotta sorelli and little jams why why dear fellow these two are mad with jealousy to think that they went to the expense of an advertisement in the revue Theater. have they nothing better to do by the way
0: said moncharmin
2: they seem to be greatly interested in that little christine daae you know as well as i do that she has the reputation of being quite good
0: said Richard.
2: Reputations are easily
3: obtained,
0: replied Montcharmin.
3: Haven't I a reputation for knowing all about music? And I don't know
2: one key from another. Don't be afraid. You never had that reputation,
0: Richard declared. Thereupon he ordered the artist to be shown in, who for the last two hours had been walking up and down the outside of the door, behind which fame and fortune, or dismissal, awaited them. The whole day was spent in discussing, negotiating, signing, or cancelling contracts, and the two overworked managers went to bed early, without so much as casting a glance at box five to see whether M. de Bienne and M. Poligny were enjoying the performance. Next morning, the managers received a card of thanks from the ghost.
1: Dear Monsieur Manager Thanks! Charming evening! D exquisite! Choruses want waking up. Carota, a splendid commonplace instrument. We'll write you soon for the two hundred forty thousand francs, or two hundred thirty-three, four hundred twenty-four francs, seventy centimes to be correct. Monsieur de and Monsieur Plornay have sent me the six thousand five hundred seventy-two francs, thirty centimes representing the first ten days of my allowance for the current year their privileges finished on the evening of the tenth inst kind regards o oh, g
0: on the other hand there was a letter from messieurs de Bienne and poligny
1: gentlemen we, we are, are much obliged, obliged for, your for your kind, kind thought, thought of, of us, us. But, but you will easily you will understand, understand that the, the,
0: the
4: prospect of again of hearing, faust. hearing faust pleasant, pleasant though, though it is to ex-managers managers of the, the opera, opera cannot, cannot make, make us forget, forget that we, have, we no right have no right to occupy, occupy box, five box five on the grand tier, on the grand tier
0: which, which is, is the exclusive property, property of him, him of whom of we whom spoke to you when, to we, went you when we went through book the memorandum-book with, memorandum with you
4: for the last time. See Clause 98, 98. Final, final paragraph.
0: Accept, gentlemen, gentlemen etc.
2: etc. Oh! These fellows are beginning to annoy me!
0: shouted Fairmer Richard, snatching up the letter and that evening box five was sold the next morning m richard and Montcharmin, on reaching their office found an inspector's report relating to an incident that had happened the night before in box five i give the essential part of the report
4: i was obliged to call in a municipal guard twice this evening to clear box five on the grand tier once at the beginning and once in the middle of the second act The occupants, who arrived as the curtain rose on the second act, created a regular scandal by their laughter and their ridiculous observations. There were cries of, HUSH! all around them, and the whole house was beginning to protest when the boxkeeper came to fetch me. I entered the box and said what I thought necessary. The people did not seem to me to be in their right mind and they made stupid remarks. I said that if the noise was repeated, I should be compelled to clear the box. The moment I left, I heard the laughing again, with fresh protest from the house. I returned with a municipal guard, who turned them out. They protested, still laughing, saying they would not go unless they had their money back at last they became quiet and i allowed them to enter the box again the laughter at once recommenced and this time i had them turned out definitely
2: send for the inspector
0: said richard to his secretary who had already read the report and marked it with blue pencil monsieur remy the secretary had foreseen the order and called the inspector at once
2: tell us what happened
0: said richard bluntly The inspector began to sputter and referred to the report.
4: Well, but what were those people laughing at?
0: Asked Moncharmin.
4: They must have been dining, sir, and seemed more inclined to lark about than to listen to good music. The moment they entered the box, they came out again and called the boxkeeper, who asked them what they wanted. They said,
5: Look in the box. There's no one there, is there? no
4: said the woman well said they when we went in we heard a voice saying that the box was taken
0: m moncharmin could not help smiling as he looked at m richard but m richard did not smile he himself had done too much in that way in his time not to recognize in the inspector's story all the marks of one of those practical jokes which begin by amusing and end by enraging the victims THE INSPECTOR, TO CURRY FAVOR WITH M. MONCHARMIN, WHO WAS SMILING, THOUGHT IT BEST TO GIVE A SMILE, TOO, A MOST UNFORTUNATE SMILE. M. RICHARD GLARED AT HIS SUBORDINATE, WHO THENCEFORTH MADE IT HIS BUSINESS TO DISPLAY A FACE OF UTTER CONSTERNATION.
2: HOWEVER, WHEN THE PEOPLE ARRIVED,
0: ROARED RICHARD.
2: THERE WAS NO ONE IN THE BOX, WAS THERE?
4: NOT A SOUL, SIR, NOT A SOUL, NOR IN THE BOX ON THE RIGHT. Nor in the box on the left. Not a soul, sir, I swear. The boxkeeper told it me often enough, which proves that it was all a joke. Oh, you agree, do you?
0: said Richard.
4: You
2: agree. It's a joke, and you take it's funny, no doubt. I
4: think it in very bad taste, sir. And what did the boxkeeper say? Oh she just said it was the opera ghost that's all she said
0: and the inspector grinned but he soon found that he had made a mistake in grinning for the words had no sooner left his mouth than monsieur richard from gloomy became furious
2: send for the boxkeeper
0: he shouted
2: send for her this Zisminette, and bring her to me here and turn all of those people
0: out The inspector tried to protest, but Hrishad closed his mouth with an angry order to hold his tongue. Then, when the wretched man's lips seemed shut forever, the manager commanded him to open them once more. "'Who
2: is this ghost?
0: he snarled, but the inspector was by this time incapable of speaking a word. He managed to convey by a despairing gesture that he knew nothing about it, or rather that he did not wish to know.'
2: have you ever seen him have you seen the opera ghost
0: the inspector by means of a vigorous shake of the head denied ever having seen the ghost in question very well said monsieur richard coldly the inspector's eyes started out of his head as though to ask why the manager had uttered that ominous very well
2: because i'm going to settle the account of anyone who has not seen him
0: explained the manager
2: as he seems to be everywhere i can't have people telling me that they see him nowhere i like people to work for me when i employ them
0: having said this monsieur richard paid no attention to the inspector and discussed various matters of business with his acting manager who had entered the room meanwhile the inspector thought he could go and was gently oh so gently sidling towards the door when m richard nailed the man to the floor with a thundering
2: stay where you are
0: m Remy had sent for the boxkeeper to the rue de provence close to the opera where she was engaged as a porteress she soon made her appearance what's your name madame giry you know me well enough sir i'm the
5: mother of little giry little
0: meg what this was said in so rough and solemn a tone that for a moment m richard was impressed He looked at Madame Giry, in her faded shawl, her worn shoes, her old taffeta dress and dingy bonnet. It was quite evident from the manager's attitude that he either did not know or could not remember having met Madame Giry, nor even little Giry, nor even little Meg. But Madame Giry's pride was so great that the celebrated box-keeper imagined that everybody knew her.
2: Never heard of her,
0: the manager declared
2: but that's no reason madame guiry why i shouldn't ask you what happened last night to make you and the inspector call in a municipal guard
5: i was just wanting to see you sir and talk to you about it so that you mightn't have the same unpleasantness as monsieur debier and monsieur polony they wouldn't listen to me either at first
2: i'm not asking you about all that i'm asking you what happened last night
0: madame giry turned purple with indignation never had she been spoken to like that she rose as though to go gathering up the folds of her skirt and waving the feathers of her dingy bonnet with dignity but changing her mind she sat down again and said in a haughty voice i'll tell you what happened the ghost was annoyed again thereupon as monsieur richard was on the point of bursting out M. Montchermin interfered and conducted the interrogatory, whence it appeared that Madame Giry thought it quite natural that a voice should be heard to say that a box was taken when there was nobody in the box. She was unable to explain this phenomenon, which was not new to her, except by the intervention of the ghost. Nobody could see the ghost in his box, but everybody could hear him. She had often heard him, and they could believe her for she always spoke the truth they could ask m de Bienne and m poligny and any one who knew her and also m isidore sac who had had a leg broken by the ghost indeed said Montcharmin, interrupting her
3: did the ghost break poor isidore sac's leg
0: madame giry opened her eyes with astonishment at such ignorance however she consented to enlighten those two poor innocents the thing had happened in m de Bienne and m poligny's time also in box five and also during a performance of faust Madame giry coughed cleared her throat it sounded as though she were preparing to sing the whole of gounod's score and began
5: it was like this sir that night m maniera and his lady the jewellers in the rue mogador were sitting in the front of the box with their great friend m isidore Sac, sitting behind Madame Maniera. Mephistopheles was singing.
0: Madame Giry here burst into song herself.
5: Caterina, while you play at sleeping. And then Monsieur Maniera heard a voice in his right ear. His wife was on his left, saying,
1: ha Julie's not playing at sleeping.
5: His wife happened to be called Julie. So, Monsieur Maniera turns to the right, to see who was talking to him like that nobody there he rubs his ear and asks himself if he's dreaming then mephistopheles went on with his serenade but perhaps i'm boring you gentlemen
3: no no go on
5: you are too good gentlemen
0: with a smirk
5: well then mephistopheles went on with his serenade madame Giry burst into song again Saint, unclose thy portals holy and accord the bliss to a mortal bending lowly of a pardon kiss. And then Monsieur Maniera again hears the voice in his right ear saying this time, Ha ha!
1: Julie wouldn't mind according a kiss to Isidore.
5: Then he turns round again, but this time to the left and what do you think he sees isidore who had taken his lady's hand and was covering it with kisses through the little round place in the glove like this gentlemen
0: rapturously kissing the bit of palm left bare in
5: the middle of her thread gloves then they had a lively time between them bang bang monsieur maniera who was big and strong like you monsieur richard gave two blows to monsieur isidore sac who was small and weak like Monsieur Montcharmin, saving his presence, there was a great uproar. People in the house shouted, do. Do. "Stop, Stop them! Him. You'll kill him. him!" Then, at last,
0: Monsieur Isidore Sac managed to run away.
3: Then the ghost had not broken his leg,
0: asked Monsieur Montcharmin, a little vexed that his figure had made so little impression on Madame Giry. He did break it for him, sir," replied Madame Giry heartily.
5: He broke it for him on the grand staircase which you ran down too fast sir and it will be long before the poor gentleman will be able to go up it again
0: did the ghost
3: tell you what he said in m maniera's right ear
0: asked m moncharmin with a gravity which he thought exceedingly humorous no sir it was m maniera himself
5: so
3: but you have spoken to the ghost my good lady
5: as i am speaking to you now my good sir madame giry replied
3: and when the ghost speaks to you what does he say
0: well he tells me to bring him a footstool this time richard burst out laughing as did montcharmin and Remy, the secretary only the inspector warned by experience was careful not to laugh while madame giry ventured to adopt an attitude that was positively threatening instead
5: of laughing
0: she cried indignantly
5: you'd do better to do as monsieur poligny did
0: who found out for himself
3: found out about what
0: asked who had never been so much amused in his life about the ghost of course look here she suddenly calmed herself feeling that this was a solemn moment in her life look here she repeated they were
5: playing le Jouave. Monsieur poligny thought he would watch the performance from the ghost box well when leopold cries
4: let us fly
5: you know an iliezer stops them and says
1: whither go ye
5: well Monsieur poligny I was watching him from the back of the next box, which was empty. Monsieur Poligny got up, and walked out quite stiffly, like a statue, and before I had time to ask him, whither go ye? Like Eliezer, he was down the staircase, but without breaking his leg.
3: Still, that doesn't let us know how the opera ghost came to ask you for a footstool,
0: insisted Monsieur Montcharmin.
5: Well, from that evening, no one tried to take the ghost's private box from him, The manager gave orders that he was to have it at each performance, and whenever he came, he asked me for a footstool.
3: Tut-tut, a ghost asking for a footstool. Then this ghost of yours is a woman?
5: No, the ghost is a man.
3: How do you know?
5: He has a man's voice. Oh, such a lovely man's voice. This is what happens. When he comes to the opera, it's usually in the middle of the first act. He gives three little taps on the door of box five, the first time i heard those three taps when i knew there was no one in the box you can think how puzzled i was i opened the door listened looked nobody and then i heard a voice say
1: mademoiselle jules
5: my poor husband's name was jules
1: a footstool please
5: saving your presence gentlemen it made me feel all overish like but the voice went on
1: don't be frightened mademoiselle jules I'm the opera ghost.
5: And the voice was so soft and kind that I hardly felt frightened. The voice was sitting in the corner chair on the right in the front row.
3: Was there anyone in the box on the right of box
0: five? asked Moncharmin.
5: No. Box seven and box three, the one on the left, were both empty. The curtain had only just gone up.
3: And what did you do?
5: Well, I brought the footstool. Of course, it wasn't for himself he wanted it. But for his lady but i never heard her nor saw her
4: eh what so now the ghost is married
0: the eyes of the two managers travelled from madame giry to the inspector who standing behind the boxkeeper was waving his arms to attract their attention he tapped his forehead with a distressful forefinger to convey his opinion that the widow jules giry was most certainly mad a piece of pantomime which confirmed m richard in his determination to get rid of an inspector who kept a lunatic in his service meanwhile the worthy lady went on about her ghost now painting his generosity and at the end of the performance
5: he always gives me two francs sometimes five sometimes even ten when he has been many days without coming only since people have begun to annoy him again he gives me nothing
0: at all
3: excuse me my good woman
0: said Montcharmin, while madame giry tossed the feathers in her dingy hat at this persistent familiarity
3: excuse me how does the ghost manage to give you your two francs
0: why he leaves them on the
5: little shelf in the box of course i find them with the programme which i always give him some evenings i find flowers in the box a rose that must have dropped from his lady's bodice for he brings a lady with him sometimes one day they left a fan behind them
2: oh the ghost left a fan did he and
4: what did you do with it
5: well i brought it back to the box next night here
0: the inspector's voice was raised
4: you've broken the rules i shall have to fine you madame guyrie
2: hold your tongue you fool
5: muttered monsieur fermin richard
2: you brought back the fan and then
5: well then they took it away with them sir it was not there at the end of the performance and in its place they left me a box of english sweets which i'm very fond of that's one
0: of the ghost's pretty thoughts
2: that will do madame giry you can go
0: when madame giry had bowed herself out with a dignity that never deserted her the manager told the inspector that they had decided to dispense with that old madwoman's services and when he had gone in his turn they instructed the acting manager to make up the inspector's accounts left alone The managers told each other of the idea which they both had in mind, which was that they should look into that little matter of box five themselves. End of chapter 4